We kind of all know what grace is, isn't it? It's the unmerited love of God, undeserved. And uh, I myself am a, a miracle of grace. When I was 12 years old, I got saved, born again, converted. and uh, But at about 14, 15 years old, I decided I, I knew a better way. And I'm not proud of it. I had a sister right there by me. You're older than me. She never veered to the right, never veered to the left. Boy, just kept right on going. And uh, I know through her, her prayers, my mom and dad's prayers, Kim folks' prayers, that, that led me back to the Lord in 1996, started the journey. But God's grace was there to restore me. But we all know great stories of grace, don't we? That... If you're a Christian, you automatically have a great story of grace, don't you? And uh, for, uh, for ones that might be like me that, that took a detour and uh, didn't live for the Lord, that grace has brought us back, didn't it? Well, but the question was, do we really understand grace? Because we have finite, and God is what? He's infinite. His grace is infinite. Our understanding of grace is finite. So I was on the interweb going over some messages, looking at different verses, and I came upon this by Max Licato. And uh, it's an excerpt from his book, and he was talking about Jeffrey Dahmer. And uh, I'm pretty sure all of us knew who Jeffrey Dahmer was. If you don't... Uh, in the 1980s, he preyed on young boys. He, was, uh, he molested them, and, and he murdered them. He was, he was a terrible individual. And Max Licato was writing, and in this he said, what disturbed him most was not the crimes that he committed. They convicted him of 17 murders that they knew of. They found 11 corpses in his apartment, 11, arms, legs, was all over the place. Skulls were in the refrigerator. He'd even hoarded a human heart. This was a terrible individual, I'm telling you. He said right here, he, re he redefined the boundaries of brutality. If you hung him from the lowest rung of human conduct, and then dropped him from there, it still wouldn't describe how bad he was. Terrible individual. Well, he said what disturbed him most wasn't the trial either. When he went to trial, every day he sat there, looked straight ahead, he was steely-eyed, even had a smile every once in a while, never showed a bit of remorse. None. And... Uh, you would think, going to trial, that there might be some kind of feeling there or something, but he showed none. Well, what, does, what really disturbed uh, Maxicado the worst was not the sentence he received. He received the life sentence without the possibility of parole. And that was hardly an even exchange for the brutality that he, he, he committed. It just didn't seem right, did it? He said... What troubled him most, and after I read this, it troubled me the most too, was his conversion. Months before, one of the inmates there murdered him, 
Jeffrey Dahmer became a Christian. Said he repented, was truly sorry for what he had done. Said he put his faith in Christ, was baptized. He started his life over. He uh, put his faith in Christ. He began attending chapel on a regular basis. Read, read his Bible every day. Went to the library, checked out Christian books. Said that his sins were washed away, cleansed, and that his past was forgiven. I read that and I kind of said, I don't know about that. That was the exact words that came out of my mouth. You know, we all want grace, don't we? That wonderful gift of God. We all want it. It's free. Nothing we can do. Can't buy it. Can't work for it. It's there. It's free. But when we see somebody that we think that is not worthy receive it, does that make you kind of go, yeah, I don't know about that. That's a... And that's when I started realizing when I was reading this that maybe I really, in deep down places that I didn't know was there, I really don't understand grace. Uh, We found out that grace is the giving of favor that is undeserved. Nothing we can do can deserve it, right? That's just a giving. But the problem we have some of the time is when we receive it, that's okay because we wasn't that bad. I took a 25-year hiatus from serving the Lord, but I wasn't that bad. Right? Some of us have the same story. There's some of y'all, like my sister, that never veered to the left or right. You want to talk about a mighty man of God, a woman of God, I'd put her up on a ramp. Much rush more of Christian women, my sister would be there. She would pray on me when I'd go to see her, and I couldn't get out of that house fast enough. Oh, man. When you're a backslid Christian, you don't want to be around prayer-filled Christian women. I can tell you that right now. Men will take it a little easy on you, but them women, mamas and sisters, they do not take it easy on you. You can ask my son about that. He knows about Aunt Sharon. But anyway, let's read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. And in we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavishes on us with all wisdom and understanding. Jesus gave us free and complete unmerited grace when we did not deserve it. Is that true? There is not a person, one, here today that if you're a born-again Christian, you did not deserve God's grace. Did you? I don't care what age you got saved, if you would have died before you got saved and you was of the age of accountability, you would not have gone to heaven. He's a just God. And that God's grace, when it is applied, sometimes we have a problem with it. Let's read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us also lived among them at one time, 
gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. You know when he says, we were all in sins and transgressions. Does that leave anybody exempt? But he says that that grace that was supplied for all of us, is that all of us just for everybody but this section over here? These people over here are pretty bad. I just, I'm just picking on you. You know what I'm if, if you went to prison, this would be the bad group. All right. Are they really deserving of God's grace? Let's think about this. A child molester, murderer, cannibal, despicable human being, is he really worthy of God's grace? See, is there a reason that we aren't in charge of applying God's grace? I think, I think so. I, uh, Pastor Allen spoke out of Matthew chapter 20 four or five weeks ago, and it's about a man that owned a vineyard. And uh, it's time to harvest the crop. So he went out that morning and hired laborers, said, y'all come and help me harvest my crop, and I'll pay you one denarius for helping you. And they agreed to it. Out they went. Well, the third hour of the day, and I'm figuring he started at 6 in the morning, the third hour of the day at 9 o'clock, he went out there and needed some more workers. And he said, if y'all come help me harvest the crop, I'll be fair with you in your way. Just come help me. All right. Well, the ninth hour, he did the same thing. And uh, the eleventh hour, which was about five o'clock, I just figured it was getting off work at six. He went out in the streets, and there was a few more people out there, and he said, why aren't you working? They said, well, nobody came to get us. He said, well, come in and help me finish harvesting this crop, and I'll pay you for it, and I'll be fair. And they said, okay, I'll do that. So after everything was done, everybody came up there to get paid. And he started with the last first, the guys that had been there for one hour. And I looked at it like this. I used to haul hay on my days off to make a living, help make a living. And say we was going to haul 1,200 bales of hay that day. And we agreed to do it for 10 cents a bale, which was $120. The guy said, I'll give you $120 if you'll work all day and get that hay out of the field and into the barn. All right, I'll do it. Well... At about 5 o'clock, when we, we, we went to take that trailer out there to get that last load of hay, which was 100 bales, we were so excited to do that, too. I can tell you, when it's 104, and that last 100 of bales, you're excited. Well, you have help putting that on the, on the trailer and putting it in the barn. Well, comes time to get paid, he's writing these checks out, and he started with this guy that came in on that last 100 bales. He said, here you go, here's your check for $120. And we're automatically thinking, wow. He paid him $120. He's really going to bless us, isn't he? But no, 
He made that check out to Greg Harrell for $120. He made a check out to J.P. Grantham for $120. And J.P. Grantham wasn't happy about it. I can tell you that right now. I've been out in that sun all day hauling hay. And if you've ever hauled hay in July, it is not fun. And I would not have been happy that somebody made the same amount of money as me just working on that last load. But Jesus said that vineyard man said, you agreed to work for that $120. I own this vineyard. It's mine. What I choose to do with my money is up to me. And that's the same way it is with God's grace. It's none of our business how he applies it. It doesn't matter if you're 10 years old. It doesn't matter if you're 70. Never let a lie for God. Two weeks before you die, you ask God for the forgiveness of sins. You're converted. That God's grace, you receive the same amount of grace, the same blessings as somebody that has served God their entire life. You receive that same amount of grace. Not fair some of the time, but there's nothing fair about it, is there? If you're a Christian, you're held to a higher standard. All right. Let's read. uh, We understand grace now, kind of. You know? Best, best that this finite brain can understand it, we understand it. And as, as I said earlier, you know, when you go to AA or Celebrate Recovery, like, like, like some of us do, they have a 12-step program, it's called. And at Celebrate, they have a 12-step. Well, today we're going to do a five-step on grace, if that's okay. So the first step was we got an understanding of grace. It's a good thing that it's not up to us to apply it. Second thing, what does grace do for us? the most important thing it does for it, it saves us. If we read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because if you're a Christian, you know what grace is. You've accepted it. You realize if you're a Christian, if it wasn't for grace, there would be no Christianity. We couldn't get saved. Because of God's grace, Jesus died on the cross. Because of grace, Jesus was buried. Because of his grace, he was resurrected. And he's at the Father's right hand right now making intercession for you and me. Ready for us. If we need repentance, he's ready to make intercession for us. But if he hadn't came down here and decided to live a perfect life down across. If it hadn't been for that love, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have his grace. We would be eternally damned or living under the law. But there again, that grace that saves me, was Jeffrey Dahmer really? Was it appropriate for him to get saved? Was that grace really there for him? Think about that. Not just him. There's child molesters we read about in the paper every day. There's murderers. There's, there's teachers taking advantage of our young kids. Are they really ready for God's grace? Taking guns and just going into schools and churches and blowing people away. Are they really worthy of our God's grace? Take a look at it. We can't pick who it is applied to for God to save, can we? I'm not going to spill it, you know spend a lot of time on that. We just got to realize when we look in the mirror, 
that we need God's grace every day in our lives, continually. It's not a one-time deal where we get this grace. It's a daily walk. All right. We kind of got an understanding of grace, and we've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior because we realized that we were wrong, that we needed a, a, a Savior. We turned our lives over to God. Old man's dead, the new man rose out of the water if he was baptized. So what's next? Step number three. We're going to start the sanctification by grace. Now sanctification, if, if you look it up, it, it's, it's to become holy. It's, it's to become Christ-like. See, that grace that we received is free, but now there's a price that we need to start paying. Let's go to uh, Acts chapter 13, verse 43. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. Now, these were new converts, and they urged them, don't stop now that you become a Christian. You need to continue in this walk. In this grace. Let's go to John 17, 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So, if we're going to have the sanctification process begin its work in us, we're going to have to start reading and studying the word of God. We're going to have to start attending church. Somewhere, somewhere, it doesn't have to be here if you're visiting here today, but we need a daily time where we can be with other Christians where the word of God is being spoken through other individuals that enlighten us about the word of God. Amen? Amen. That's why we're here today, right? Isn't that why everybody's here today? Let's uh, read Second Peter 3.18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be both glory, both now and forever. Amen. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How do we grow in the knowledge? In, in Hebrews, it's not on here, but in Hebrews it says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How can you rightly divide the word of truth if you don't know what the word of truth is? Right? I mean, it's sometimes it's hard to find time to read the Bible. It's a busy world out there. I'm raising kids. I'm doing this. I'm working 80 hours a week trying to make a living. That's good. I'll tell you what my answer was. I get up at a quarter to four, feed my cats, get my cup of coffee, and I start reading the Bible. You don't have many distractions at four in the morning. Believe it or not, nobody's up. Just me and the cats. That's it. But uh, the key is sometimes we have to make time. If we want to inc increase the capacity to love God, if we want to increase that capacity of the transformation progress, we have got to get into the Word. We've got to start studying. Let's read Acts 20, verse 32. Now I commit to you, God, to God and to the world of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. The word of his grace. 
One other one, I'm going to look up Romans 6, verse 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are now those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? When you become a born-again Christian, one of the sure signs that it took is you become a changed individual. There's a transformation that needs to start working on a daily basis. I have two really good friends that I've known all my life that aren't Christians, and they're still my friends. I could count on them if if they needed me, and I could count on them if, if I needed them. But I cannot do the things that I used to do with them because the Lord Jesus Christ is in my heart now. Doesn't mean I don't love them. Doesn't mean I don't pray for them. Doesn't mean I can't talk to them and call them on the phone and see how they're doing. But praise God, I can't do those things no more. It's that transformation. We don't have the things in common we used to have. Uh, Let's go and read verse 14 out of Romans 6. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. It's kind of saying right there, you think the law was hard? Let's start talking about grace. You as Christians, you have the Lord Jesus Christ that paid the ultimate price for your salvation. You are held, and when I say you, I'm talking about me mainly too, are held to a higher standard. There's a family, uh, there's more, there's three or four families in Granbury, Texas. There's, there's probably a hundred in this family. And I'm a licensed chaplain. And I do funerals and weddings for this family because I'm the only religious person they know. I didn't think that was possible. Out of a hundred, never stepped foot inside of a church. Never opened the Bible. They're good people. I'm telling you, they're wonderful people. Love them. My son knows them. He loves them. But that's why I say whenever we think people aren't looking at us, they're looking at us on a regular basis. You are the only Christ that people see at times. That sanctification process needs to be working. Amen? All right. Let's read one more. John 17, verses 17 and 18. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. If you're not reading the word of God, you're not going to begin the transformation process. In 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of the word of God, grace in its various forms. And I read that verse because Step number three we're going to talk about is if you understand grace, you've been saved, and you've started that transformation, the sanctification process, you are required to start giving it away. When you read this verse up here, it says, each of you should choose whatever gift you have received to serve others. It didn't say that there's just certain ones in this church that received a gift of grace, did it? I think when it said, each of you should use whatever gift you have, that includes everyone sitting here today that's a born-again Christian. You have a special gift 
from God. If you've, if you've been saved and you started that sanctification process and all of a sudden you feel like you're hitting a wall, you can't go forward anymore, you can't go up, you can't go to the sides and say, I don't understand what's happening, and you're not giving it away, and you're not serving it, you put a cap on that transformation process, it's not going to grow anymore. You've got to start giving it away. That's a requirement. If you want the grace of God to be lavishly poured out on you, I love that word, lavishly poured out on you, you've got to start serving. Uh, where's he? Blake, you here? Come up here a minute. I don't think you'd embarrass Blake, so that's why I'm having him come up here. I don't think it's possible. But uh, <laughs> last Sunday, we got to uh, dedicate his baby, dedicate his baby, didn't we? I got, I got to ask you something. Come up here. Okay. When did I meet you? Uh, How old was you? About six or seven, maybe? Yeah. When you started coming to kids' church? Yeah. And so I had you for five years pretty much, didn't we? Yes, sir. We, and, and when we see each other now, from a distance, do we get a smile on our face? Oh, yeah. Because why? Did we build a bond back then? Oh, yeah. You know, I'm your friend. You're my friend, right? Yes, sir. You're kind of like one of my kids that grew up. And last, last week, it was such a blessing dedicating it, this boy's baby. And I, I think it'd be okay to say that he kind of took a little detour like I did from serving. But look where he is now. Oh, yeah. You know, praise God, he had praying grandparents and praying parents. But you know how proud I am of you, how much of a blessing you are. Am I, was I a blessing to you in kids' church, Miss Laura in kids' church? Amazing. All right. Thank you for coming up here. I want to thank you. Hey, thank you for coming up here. The reason I brought Blake up here is when I first started coming to church here, it, was, it wasn't at this church, it was at Shady Grove Church downtown. My full intentions, when I first started coming to church there, I would come in 10 minutes late so I wouldn't have to talk to anybody. And so when Pastor Allen would start that, and you know when that closing prayer is coming because the musicians are coming up, out the door I'd go. Because I did not want to know anybody. I just wanted to go to church hear the word, and go home, that was it. That's what I wanted my spiritual walk to be. Well, I did this for about three months and had no problems, enjoyed it. But there was an old codger that went to church there named Otis Whites. A lot of y'all never got a chance or opportunity to meet this man, but he was a builder, lived out in Pecan Plantation. One Sunday, I was making a beeline for the door, and he was there waiting for me. <laughs> Got to know him. He said, man, there's some people here you need to meet. I said, well, no, no, no. He said, no, no. And through him, he introduced me to Randy Ellis, Debbie Ellis, Joe Duncan. Uh, I could not help but get involved. Started serving. Started going to Bible studies, learning about the truth, started meeting different individuals in our church. And that was in 1998 that I started. And you want to talk about some people that grace flows out of their body, that blesses this body? It's full of it. I mean, that's one good thing. When you start serving and you start giving grace, that grace comes right back at you. It's a give-give situation. You gift back, it's gifted back to you. Give and receive. And Brother Otis Whites, 
I got to tell you one story about him. He went to be with the Lord probably five, six years ago. He was in pretty bad health. But me and him, we built a, a really great relationship. I painted about 15, 20 new houses for him, the company that me and my partner had. And you, Pastor Allen used to say he was an astute businessman. I just said he was cheap, but that was... <laughs> and brother, he's laughing right now if, I, if he's watching. He, he'd, he'd be singing praise God that I'm even up here, wouldn't he? But uh, he was in a hospital in Fort Worth. He, he was in bad health. And uh, I was going to church here. And I was going outside my phone ringing his brother Otis. He said, JP, you need to come pick me up at the hospital. Because I'd went and visited him at the hospital. I said, well, did they release you? He said, no, they're not releasing me. I can release myself. I want you to come up here and get me. <laughs> I said, well, Otis, I said, I, you know, you got your two sons. and He said, I'm telling you right now, if you don't come get me, I'm going to get in this wheelchair and I'm going to start and go down Euland Street and you're going to be responsible for the consequences. <laughs> Anybody that knows Brother Otis, he meant it. I said, all right. I said, I'm leaving church. I'll come pick you up. And sure enough, I took him home, and his oldest son was mad at me. But his youngest son, Barry, came out, and I said, Barry, I told him what had happened. He said, oh, my gosh, A.P., thank you, because Dad would have done it. That was just Otis. But, but my point was, if Brother Otis hadn't reached out to me and shown grace, that gift that he had to reach out to individuals, where would I have been? Would I be up here today? Maybe? I don't know. There was another individual I want to talk about a couple of them. Uh, Perry and Lou Dempsey. They both don't home to be with the Lord. You want to talk about two Christians, husband and wife, that set a standard for us to follow? Oh, my goodness. Sister Lou would start coming up here, and we knew right then she had a word of knowledge for us. Didn't know what it was going to be. It kind of surprised us at times. But she listened to the word of God, blessed us with it. And there was peoples that were blessed in return because a lot of times that word of knowledge was directed right at them. They'd say, how did she know? Because she listened to God. That was one of her gifts. And Brother Perry, though, he sat on that second row back there where Brother Brooks was sitting. And he always had this smile on his face. Never said a lot. But the grace of God just flowed out of that man. You could feel the love. He'd tap me on the shoulder and say, come to my car after service. I said, all right. I'd go out there and he'd have a watermelon for me or some fresh tomatoes or cucumbers. He was always working. When we was building this church, he couldn't do the work, but he would sure bring food up here for, the, for us to eat, him and Miss Lou. Wonderful man. Women and men of God. Well, two years ago, Brother Dempsey got bad health. Miss Lou had already gone to heaven, and, and he lived out close to me. And I got to start spending time with him because he couldn't come to church no more. And, and by me going out to his house and, and visiting, I know it comforted him. And blessed him, but in return, the blessings that I received from him, the words of knowledge that helped me in my Christian walk, money can't buy that. He was a World War II veteran that said he walked across Europe. He was one of the men that held the head up of a Jewish, lived in their camp. 
and uh, gave them a spoonful of water because that's all they could have. He didn't like talking about that. But I was blessed so much to be with him. He, he went to be with the Lord. His body just didn't make it. But there's one other man I want to talk about. And his wife's here today. And there's a good chance if he hadn't listened to the word of God and listened to the Holy Spirit, we might none of us be here today. And that's Brother Ken Smith. His wife Barbara's right there. The first service that was ever held when this church started was at their trailer house. Brother Ken them said we needed a church that we could attend in Granbury, Texas. Brother Ken Smith, he was he liked to say, he said, JP, I'm just an old construction worker just like you. And Brother Ken any time that he could volunteer to help, he did it. He didn't, he didn't get up here and preach for it. He gave his testimony once. But he had the gift of grace, of service, of helping people. didn't matter what, he could, what it was. If he could help, he would do it. And in doing so, I, we realize that there is not such a thing as a menial gift of grace from God. I don't know what your gift is. But it's, it's just as important a gift as me and Brother Greg as being elders of this church. That gift of grace that God has for you, that you're to share, as that Bible verse said a while ago, that you're to share with us, it is just as important. Each and every, we're a body here. There's no here and there. We're all here. That's why we hug, because we're all at the same level. Amen? Uh. You know, our nursery workers and our kids' church workers that work in kids' church, I don't think they get enough credit because that, that relationship that, that me and Blake have, if I hadn't listened to God and kind of got involved in kids' church, I wouldn't have that blessing, would I? I'd just be somebody that went to church here and he'd, that was it. Four, four weeks ago, I was in kids' church and I, I do the first through fifth grade, me and Miss Laura and Miss Paula, well, they're all sitting on their, in their assigned seats, and I'm going down the road, high-fiving, saying, how y'all doing, da-da-da, da-da-da. Well, I get to this young girl, she's a, kind of a regular on Sunday morning, I say, high-five, and she doesn't high-five me, I say, how you doing, sweetie? She said, I'm not doing good, Mr. J.P. I said, what's wrong, sweetie? She said, my grandmother died yesterday. Big old tears came, started coming down her eyes. And I thank the Lord God that he has put us in positions where we can be of service to him. Sister Laura, myself, Miss Paul, and all the other kids, we gathered around that young girl and that little boy, and we prayed for him. We asked God's Holy Spirit to come down upon them and bless them and help them through this time of need. That young girl needed to be there that day, didn't she? And there again, if you're not serving, you don't get that blessing. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm not. I'm really not because I get to go to kids' church because I'm still a kid at heart. I'm trying to I'm trying to outgrow up getting old. I don't want to get old. I'm gonna be sixty one in May and I, I wanna 
I wouldn't mind seeing a hundred. I'm okay with that. <laughs> but anyway, I, I'm, I just want to encourage you to serve. Get Bless this body with your gifts of grace. And that was the fourth step. Now we're going to come to the fifth step. We've been talking about how good God's grace is, haven't we? How wonderful it is and, and how he saved us and how he sanctifies us and, and lets us receive blessings and service to him. Because there's wonderful things happening to wonderful Christians every day. And wonderful. But in the same verse, there's terrible things happen to wonderful Christians every day. Didn't do anything wrong. Deaths in a family, unexpected. There's divorce. There's deaths at work. There's economy causes your bank account to go to nothing. And you're sitting there going, what just happened? Well, for those times... When things like that hit, we don't have an understanding of it. We don't know why it happened. We don't understand why that young girl's grandmother died unexpectedly. We understand one thing on step five is that God's grace sustains us. Those times of need when no words can help. The grace of God is the only thing that sustains. I had a first cousin. November 4th of last year. Lives in Waxahachie. He received a phone call. Him and his wife were divorced. His 17-year-old son, who was going to graduate uh, this coming May, was shot in the back, murdered. He ran into his mom's house and died on the bathroom floor by himself. Nobody was at home. See, there's a... Uh, Words can't, words can't help, can they? There's, there's not a Bible verse you can quote in those times. That is when the peace and joy of the Lord that passes all understanding has to take control. Because nobody should bury a 17-year-old son, right? We all have stories like because that always happened to somebody else till it happened to our family. And uh, this past year, we, we, there was a tough time in the Grantham household. My wife fell and, and broke her patella, and it, it was kind of like things just went from, from bad to worse from there. And I was sitting there going, God, what's going on here? What did I do wrong? Any of y'all ever question God? I do. He's my Heavenly Father. He loves me. You know, I don't want to say I got mad at him, but I was, I was fixing to let him have peace of my mind. And that's okay. He's my father and he loves me. But after that happened, after Gabe got murdered, reality set in. There's verses in the Bible that we have to reach out to, that we have to hold on to. Let's read 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. Because surprisingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. 
But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That grace of God that is so sustaining cannot be determined by situation you're in. It is determined by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, that sustains us. Let's read Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Why is it so many times that that's not the first thing we do? We start trying to figure all these things out ourselves, don't we? Job got laid off. Now I've got to go find me a job. I've got to go do this. And we start trying to fix all the problems in ourselves. And God wants us to do some things on our own. But he also wants us to realize that he is in charge. He loves us. And he wants us to approach that throne of grace with confidence. Amen? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. And I'm going to end while the praise team gets ready to come up here. Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Amen.